This is the International SOS Situation Update Podcast, providing the latest analysis, advice, and recommendations on the health and security risks impacting you and your organization today. Good morning from International SOS. My name is Kayla Perfect. Today is the 7th of March, and this is your Monday Situation Update. To discuss the current events in Ukraine and surrounding countries, I'm joined by Tyler Hosford, Regional Security Manager at International SOS. Joining us on the ground in Poland, I thank you for taking the time today and really want to get right into our discussion and start by asking what notable changes have we witnessed over the weekend in Ukraine and the surrounding countries? Good morning, Kayla. Great to be with you and speak about the situation with Ukraine and Russia this morning. I think what we've seen over the weekend is there have been attempts at talks between Russia and Ukraine. Those hinged on the ability of Ukraine to have humanitarian corridors coming out of some of those southern cities, uh, one specifically Mariupol, where the humanitarian corridors that were initially established fell apart quite quickly. And there were there were reports of some issues with civilians being able to safely leave those cities. And so as a result, those talks fell apart. There, there is supposed to be another round of talks today, according to the Ukrainian delegation, sometime later on on March 7th. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, it's been it's been interesting as we've been on the ground in Poland. We've been watching the situation with a lot of people crossing the border. We've been visiting a lot of the border crossings along the Polish-Ukrainian border, and I think it's worth noting that at this point we're now over 1.5 million refugees have left Ukraine, and I and I believe over half a million of those are currently in Poland. With the others are with the others moving on to other European countries. Another thing that we're seeing is that Russian troops are continuing their advances to a, to a number of those cities in the south. At the same time, offensive operations continue focusing on the encirclement of Kiev, Kharkiv, and some of those other cities. And looking at trying to reach the administrative borders in Luhansk and Donetsk by the Russian forces. It looks like they're attempting to create that land corridor down to Crimea. So as we've been as we've been visiting a lot of these border crossings, we're starting to see people are really coming from a lot of parts of Ukraine. And I think what we what we found was that early on in uh, the events of last week, there was a first wave of people who were coming across. And there were from what we're hearing from people on the ground, there were a number of Ukrainians who saw the initial success that the Ukrainian army was having and thought they would wait out the situation and see what happened. But as it turns out, this that this may be a little bit longer of uh, a situation, they are now deciding to cross the border. So there's been a bit of an increase in border crossings at at, at all of the checkpoints over, over over the weekend. When we were when we were visiting those checkpoints, we were trying to really establish what are the wait times because there are a lot of sources out there that publish wait times at various checkpoints. And the problem we found is those published sources were often contradictory. And from speaking to people on the ground, individual experiences will vary greatly. Is it a mother with a child? If that child has a different last name and their passport from the mother, there are typically extra interviews that are conducted at the border to prevent child trafficking. It, the time will vary if they're in a car versus on foot. It will vary by what time of day that people are going. 
with the curfew in place right now, a lot of movements at night are not happening, although we have heard reports that the Ukrainian military, knowing that there are a lot of people headed towards the border in the, in, in, as part of those humanitarian movements, they are allowing people to move during that, during that curfew time, but there are still a lot of people that are choosing to do daytime crossings. So typically the crossings are a little bit quicker first thing in the morning, but then by afternoon, they will, the, the lines will be much longer. On March 6th, we saw several hundred people gather for another pro-Ukraine pro protest in that Kherson province. And I think that's worth noting that we are seeing other pro-Ukraine protests in some of these areas that, uh, on a map at least, seem to be firmly under Russian control. Thanks very much, Tyler. So shifting gears a little bit into the future, what forecast would you say is upon us for the coming week? I think when we look to the week ahead, there's going to be a lot more people crossing from Ukraine into Poland uh, and really exploring some of those other exit points. Again, as, as wait times increase in Poland, people will start thinking about Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, as well as Moldova. I think one of the things that we are seeing from uh, some people though, is that because of the mountainous terrain, in southwestern Ukraine, Hungary and Slovakia become a little bit more challenging to get to, especially if there's snowstorms. And so uh, parts of Romania and even crossing through Moldova into Romania becomes something that we're, that we're going to see more of. When we look at the situation in Ukraine, really the question becomes, what, is, what are the ongoing abilities of the Ukrainian military? They've so far been quite effective. And I think with the news yesterday that uh, Poland is looking to supply some of their Soviet-era military jets to Ukraine. And then in response, the U.S. will essentially backfill Poland with some uh, with some fighters that had already been agreed upon, and they will accelerate the timeline for that. There have been sanctions placed on Russia as part of the response by the international community. Ukrainian President Zelensky over the, over the weekend spoke with a number of international leaders, including uh, congressional leaders from the United States, leaders from the UK, France, Italy, among others, to really talk about the efforts, talk about where there could potentially be more done by the international community. Sanctions are designed to be longer lasting and the impact increases over time. And so it will be interesting to see what that ongoing impact in Russia is of those sanctions if new ones are introduced and what and what the outcome of those are on Russian positions in Ukraine. I mentioned the humanitarian corridors that were attempted last week, and I think there will be further attempts at those, especially as military activity increases. There are going to be more and more people looking to find safe ground, whether that's moving to Western Ukraine or leaving Ukraine altogether. And I think the reality is that humanitarian corridors will play uh, potentially a large role on that. The question will become, are the two sides able to negotiate in good faith? Are they able to have the necessary level of trust to allow uh, civilians to leave some of these crisis areas? Thanks very much, Tyler. Obviously, an evolving situation um, that we need to continue to be on top of, and that's part of you being there as part of our incident management team. And what I really wanted to close with 
is some advice that you would have for organizations obviously watching the situation very closely concerned what's happening what would you tell those people the biggest thing for organizations is focusing on supporting their people i had a professor in graduate school who had a very long career in the defense and security world and he had a quote that he used to say remember the human element and i think ukraine has a very robust economy and there are a lot of international organizations in a number of sectors that operate there and so thinking about what is that impact to your people most or most companies will have some people that have left ukraine they will have people that are still in ukraine they will have men who have who are part of the who who are part of the military effort and so thinking about ways that they can support their people and that support can it could be emotional mental health well-being support it could be actual support looking at assisting assisting them in movements uh, we've been able to assist a number of clients with movements from parts of Ukraine toward the border and then out onward into Poland and other countries and beyond and so i think that's something to always consider if, again it's really looking at what do people want because we have been hearing that a number of people although the option exists for them to leave Ukraine they don't want to they feel like w- whether it's they feel that they want to be there at this moment or if it's they don't want to split up their family there are a number of reasons the big thing is making sure that companies are supporting their people keeping those communication lines open because someone may feel like they want to stay in Ukraine right now but in 3 or 4 days they may say my situation has changed and i feel like i need to move myself dependents family members etc out of ukraine and so being open about that about what the company is able to do what they're willing to do on that front it's important to have plans in place and i think one of the things we've seen throughout the last week especially but certainly in the days leading up to uh, the really start of the crisis is plans will very quickly change and they will very they will very quickly devolve and so part of a good plan is having a couple of those options you have what is our plan a and then what are some other alternatives that we want to have available because when you do that even if you don't use the exact alternatives at least your company and the team responsible for that are in that mindset of thinking about being flexible they know the players that they can reach out to whether it's a company like international sos and the support that we can provide or reaching out to other partners that they have either in the region or internationally and being able to use those to the advantage of their employees. Well that leaves me just to say thank you Tyler and thank you to those for listening to the International SOS Situation Update podcast. To find out more on the situation, visit our Ukraine and surrounding countries webpage on the International SOS website and stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you.